Blog Talk Radio. I still can. I'll try to help my loved ones understand how memories can fly like grains of sand, and that I'll remember them while I still can. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. That was the song, While I Still Can, which is Rick Phelps' um, song, who is the founder of Memory People and our um, channel expert here on Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, founder of the radio show, the resource website and blog, and the new Shifting Your Dementia Care Culture webinar series. Here at Alzheimer's Speaks, we believe in giving voice to those afflicted with memory loss as well as giving voice to their care partners, empowering all to live purpose-filled lives. Our goal is to raise awareness, give hope, and share the real everyday life stories of living with dementia. Our hope is to teach people how to live with the disease, not as the disease. And I'm so glad we've got Rick Phelps with us today. Rick um, was diagnosed with early onset disease, known as EOAD, and uh, that was, gosh, in June of 2010, so just a couple of years ago. And he's the founder of Memory People on Facebook, which is an absolutely fabulous support group. Um, If you haven't checked it out, I highly encourage you to do that. Rick, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Lori. It's a good day. I'm glad to talk to you again. Well, good, good. Can you tell people a little bit more about Memory People? Because we always get new listeners, and so I want to make sure that they understand what the group is all about and how to join. Sure. Uh, Memory People, we started it about a year and a half ago with myself, and it's grown to about 1,800 members now worldwide. We have people in the United Kingdom and Canada and Australia and, and also the United States, of course, it is a closed site, meaning that uh, you have to ask to join there, but we accept everyone. It's for uh, patients, caregivers, family members, and advocates. And uh, what we do is uh, we support each other. That's the main thing. You can find hundreds, if not thousands, of sites on the Internet about Alzheimer's chat rooms, but we're a little bit different. We don't talk about cures. We don't talk about the latest concoction coming down the road for this disease. We talk about support. That's the main thing. Uh, we believe in hope. We just don't believe in false hope. And uh, it's worked out just immensely. I just can't believe how it's grown. Uh, somebody told me a long time ago that it was a mistake to mix caregivers and patients together, and I thought that was the only way it should be done, and that's the way I did it. And, and it's just worked out fantastic. So I highly advise anybody that can uh, get on Facebook and just type in memory people and say ask to join, and we'll see you get there. And uh it's 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 really something. Um, we've we've had a big turnout, and uh, somebody's there 24/7. If you have any questions, your questions are answered almost instantaneously. Um, it's just worked out good. Well, that's wonderful. Well, you know, Alzheimer's Speaks Radio was really all about collaboration and raising the voice of all, and I think that's one of the nice things that that Memory People really does. It lets everybody have a voice and you know, give their own personal advice from their own personal experience. Um, you know, there's no no pitching, no sales. It's just really heartfelt. This has worked for me or this hasn't worked for me or, 
you know, pray for me um, and let me support you. It's really a, just such a nice sense of community. So, again, I really encourage people to go to Facebook and just in the search bar put in Memory People, and then you can ask to join. It is a private group, and so any of the conversations will not show on your page where everyone else can see them. They'll show up on your page so you can see them, but everybody else, all your friends can't. So um, it's it's really a nice, nice place to be. If you're listening today, we would love to have you join in the conversation. And you can do that by calling in live at 714-364-4757. Again, that number is 714-364-4757. And all you have to do is push one, and then you'll get into my waiting room. And when there's a break in the conversation, I'll go ahead and and pull you in. If you are interested in um, making a comment online, you can easily do that as well. All you have to do is um, sign in via Facebook, and then you can get into our chat room, and I can monitor uh, your comments that way as well. So let me go ahead and introduce our guest today. I'm very excited um, actually, this connection was made um, through Alan Arnett, our mountain climber for Alzheimer's disease. Alan's been on the show several times, and um, he met uh, Tyler Jury, uh, who is a senior at Western Kentucky University. He is a soon-to-be graduate of WKU with a double major in chemistry and biology. Tyler's passion for Alzheimer's comes from his experience with his grandfather, who was diagnosed in 2005 with dementia and who passed away in 2000. In, I'm sorry, who was diagnosed in 2005 and passed away in 2009. <clears throat> Tyler founded Fiji's Across America, um, which is um, a cross bike. Uh, I can't talk today a cross-country bike ride to raise money and awareness for Alzheimer's research in 2009 to honor and commemorate his grandfather's life. Six riders, led by Tyler, rode over 3,200 miles on their bikes. My butt is just sore thinking about that one, Tyler. (laughs) And you did that. Um, You went through nine states uh, during the summer of 2010, and they raised over $56,000 towards the cause. This year, a group of men in Tyler's fraternity at uh, WKU have decided to take up the ride again to continue the fight against Alzheimer's disease. And their group um, is going by the name Bike for Alls. And you can find them on Facebook and Twitter under bike and then for the letter or the number four and then ALZ or online. They are bikeforalls.org. So welcome, Tyler. How are you today? I'm doing great this morning. Thanks for having me on. And well, I, uh, like I said, I'm excited. I graduate tomorrow. <laughs> you graduate tomorrow. Well, that is really... Graduate tomorrow, yeah. You got a lot of stuff going on there, kiddo. That's oh, for God. sure. Tell me about it. <laughs> and then we, we also heard Tyler's getting married. So talk about cramming a lot into a couple of months here. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I just thought it was so neat um, when Alan had um, introduced us because um, you know he was so impressed with you and what you're doing, and I thought you know we just have to have you on the show so that you can talk about it because I think it's really important for 
families to be able to express how this disease has affected them and um and it's affected you in a big way i mean to to take something like this on is is a massive project and so um i hope you know how much so many of us around the world appreciate your efforts because it does it it, it all adds up it's it's a huge impact um both in terms of awareness and in terms of funds so if you wouldn't mind just giving us a little background about your family's experience with Alzheimer's disease and so we can get to know you a little bit more on on how in a real everyday life moment this has affected you. Sure. Well, I've had a unique experience with Alzheimer's. My my grandfather, which my mother is an only child and I'm an only child, and so I was my grandfather's only grandkid. And so me and him were really close growing up. Uh, we spent a lot of time together uh, on the weekends, during the summers when I wasn't at school, and he was one of my, one of my best friends uh, throughout my childhood. And then in, in 2005, you know, we started to notice here and there uh, he, he would forget forget certain things, and he would start to ask me, he would say, oh, and Tyler, what day of the week is it? And I would tell him, oh, you know, Papa, it's Tuesday. And then... <laughs> and this is just a funny side note, but I remember one time being in the kitchen, and he said, Tyler, is it Friday? And I said, yeah, it is, Papa. And my grandma was like, I think he's getting better with this. And I was like, no, 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 he's just got a one in seven chance of hitting it, so he's bound to get it every now and then when he's guessing. Um, but but my Papa, he, he was diagnosed in 2005, and over the next four years, uh, the disease just completely transformed who he was. Um I knew him as a deacon in his church, as a man who served in the Air Force, uh, a guy that we all looked up to because of his strong faith. And Alzheimer's just tore him apart and into somebody completely different. Um, he was a 180-pound man his whole life, and when he passed away in 2009, uh, he, he was 78 pounds. Um, he, he forgot to eat. Uh, he just wasn't happy with life anymore. He didn't recognize uh my mother his only child um and i was a bit removed from from the entire experience being down at school already and having to talk to my mom on the phone about it but when i was home i, I definitely saw the effects my my mom at, at 38 years old was spending two or three nights a week over at her parents house and her dad didn't even know who she was uh my grandmother who has had some trouble with her knees and hips and walking around and, you know, wasn't able to pick him up and care for him and do the certain things that, that she needed to. So we had to hire uh, a family friend to come in and, and provide some caregiving uh, and take care of some of those responsibilities for the family. And it, it was a two- or three-year battle, uh, and it, it caused a lot of tension in my family just because, it, you know, it was it's hard to have joy in those in those moments like that. But... Uh, through the bike ride and, and the experiences I've had with the Alzheimer's Association and being involved with them and speaking at different events, it, it's been such a blessing because it's it shown me that, that my papa's life, you know, while it may have been, you know, short-lived in some regards and Alzheimer's, you know, left him in a situation where he, he didn't necessarily know who I was for, for a period of time, uh, his life has been able to make an impact, and that's been it's been awesome. Wow. 
Well, it it sounds like it's been kind of a rough road. Can I ask how old your your grandfather was when he was diagnosed? People are always interested, kind of in that age thing. And yeah, he he was diagnosed. It would have been seventy four, seventy five, and he passed away. Well, actually, wait, sorry. He would have been. It would have been in his late seventies, and he passed away in his early eighties. Okay. Okay. Um, and so it went it went fairly fast for him. Were there signs before the diagnosis that, that you noticed as a family? You know, I mean, it, it was that little stuff like asking what day of the week it was, forgetting to take his medication, uh, weight loss and forgetting to eat, that kind of thing uh, mm-hmm. that, that, that we first noticed before we officially got diagnosed by a uh, physician. Okay, okay. Well, thank you for sharing your story. It's it's very helpful for us to just to hear um, how all of this, you know, comes into play. And, and even with yourself being away from school, uh, you know, being away at school, how it how it had an impact on you as well as as well yeah. as your family. I think sometimes I even remember think, just to throw this in. I, I went to Japan after my senior year of high school for a study abroad trip, and this mm-hmm. was in 2008. So a year before he ended up passing away, but uh, I, I remember as a 17-year-old sitting down with my parents, and it was a very serious discussion. Like, you know, Tyler, your your papa is not doing well, and he could be gone any day. So if if you're in Japan and he passed away, you know, how are we going to handle this? And that was that's a conversation. Most, you know, most 17-year-olds don't <laughs> think that they're going to have to have with their parents, but but that's something that Alzheimer's, you know brought upon us. Well, and I think it's nice. Um, I know a lot of families choose not to talk about those types of things, but, uh, you know, personally, I think it really helps a lot. Rick, do you have any feelings on that? Absolutely. First of all, my condolences to Tyler. Um, this disease certainly is does uh, terrible things to, to good people. I would like to say, though, uh, Tyler, your grandpa was, or your papal, papal, I forget what you said, <laughs> excuse me, but... Uh, he he was still the man that he was. You need you need to uh, hold on to that. You you just got to remember it was the disease that ravaged him. That's what I tell people all the time. You know, I as a person haven't changed. It, it's a brain disease, and uh, that's what changes me. But as a person, um, I, I still like to do the same things I've always done. It's just that I now have a have a. Uh, memory deficit, and 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 other than that, uh, life goes on. But uh, talking about it as you are today, and as you this with this bike ride that you was part of, and things like that, I just can't uh, thank him enough for the awareness that this is bringing, and that's that's obviously what it's all about, uh, awareness, and and I commend him for it. Great. Well, thank Tara, you, Rick. Why don't Why don't you tell us about um, you know? Fiji's Across America and how it was founded and, um, you know, how it all played out. And, and um, let's kind of start from there for your first uh, bike ride there. Sure. So as I told you, I had that conversation with my parents before I went to Japan. And while I was over there, I had my 18th birthday. And one thing that I did on my 18th birthday since I was in Japan and no one else around me spoke English and I was on my own is I made a bucket list of 50 things I wanted to do before I died. And uh, it's been cool to see some of those come to fruition. I I wrote an article for our school newspaper the other day about um, pursuing your dreams with diligence and passion. um, Well, anyway, number six on that list was 
cycling across country. Uh, I read a lot of books in middle school and high school. You know, I was in Boy Scouts and enjoyed hiking and camping and all that kind of stuff. And so I read a lot of books about hiking the Appalachian Trail, and, and that really intrigued me. But it just didn't make sense to take seven months out of my life to go do something like that. Well, my RA, my freshman year of college, he suggested that, you know, I could ride my bike across country in six weeks. And that sounded a lot more appealing than walking 3,000 miles in seven months. So that was something that was kind of in the back of my mind. Um, and, then, and, and then as I began to realize the seriousness of this disease and how it was affecting my grandfather, it, 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 and through prayer and a lot of support from family and friends, it transformed itself into a cross-country bike ride for Alzheimer's research. And I never would have thought that would have happened, um, but it, it's been awesome. I've been surrounded by some incredible individuals in my fraternity here at WKU who uh, have similar goals and aspirations, and six of them jumped on board with me in this crazy idea I had to ride my bicycle across country, and we spent over 18 months planning it, training uh, fundraising, doing the logistics, everything for this ride. And, and in 2010, we spent seven weeks on our bikes and, and went a lot of miles and got to talk to a lot of people and bring a lot of hope for this disease and uh, the end that we all are looking forward to for it. Well, very neat. I just I just think um, I'm just amazed um, at the amount of work and energy um, that you know went into all of this, and then this is awful to say, and maybe a little discriminatory, um, but for someone of your age to have that passion, to find that passion, and tap into it, and then get others behind it, I, I, that's just so commendable. And I think we all have that passion <clears throat> all of our life from the time we're very little. Excuse me, <clears throat> but to be able to tap it and and make something come of it is unusual and some people never do that in their whole life and for you to do that as a as a young man and then to continue it i mean that's kudos that is very cool that is very very cool so um you know i know that you had mentioned to me that you also are involved in the alzheimer's community and that you went out to washington dc can you tell us a little bit about that experience as well Sure. So, just this past month, uh, got to miss a couple days of class, a couple days of classes, thankfully. But uh, myself and, and and three other men uh, that are doing the, the bike ride this summer, bike for all. Uh, that we we got to go to D.C. on a scholarship through through our local chapter, and uh, we got to interact with people from from the Alzheimer's chapters all across the country, uh, particularly the chapters that that they're going to be riding near. Uh, looking for support, looking for people to host an event and those sort of things. And it was really cool because I've done a lot with Alzheimer's advocacy and telling my story and fundraising, but and I, and I understand the science behind it because I'm a science major, but the one thing I, I haven't really ever understood was the, the policy and, and the, uh, working with your legislators and the kind of the, the support that we need from our government to really make a difference in this. And being at the Alzheimer's Forum, this was our second year, it's taught us a lot about the different legislation that's out there, um, the, the HOPE Act, the NAPA, the, those things that, that have been uh, pushed forward, and we've gotten a lot of support uh, from our legislators. But 
it, it's taught me a lot about that, and we were able to go out and meet with our congressmen from across Kentucky and tell them our story. Uh, you know, we were in there with people from our chapter, and so we had uh, adults who had parents who had suffered from the disease. We had an elderly lady whose husband had just passed away from it. Uh, and then we had us, the younger generation there, that were riding our bikes across country for Alzheimer's. And so it was a r- dynamic team that we had going on there, talking to our legislators and, and trying to gain their support, uh, which was really unique. And then a really cool thing was the, the Tuesday night dinner that they had at the, the forum. We got to hear Maria Shriver speak, and she's a huge Alzheimer's advocate, and I think anybody in the community looks up to her for that. And then also uh, Pat Summit and her son were received an award uh, for what they're doing, and, and that's been incredible to have someone of, of her caliber come out and, and to be so brave and to take a stance against this disease. So uh, I, we enjoy doing our small part, but I hope that that just provides inspiration to these people who, who like like Maria Shriver and like Pat Summit, that they can do even bigger things because of their connections. Well, and, and everybody can make a difference. It's just, you know, and what level really doesn't matter because it's really all about those little bits and pieces, you know, all put together make the puzzle. And right. um, and so I don't, you know, I would encourage people never to think that they're just one person um, and that they don't matter because we all matter. And, you know, when we work together, we can do miraculous things. Now, Rick, you've been out to D.C. as well. Um, were you out, was it this year or did you go last year? I can't even remember. Uh, no, I went last year, and it, it was, uh, I agree with Tyler, it was a great experience. I remember we spoke to uh, several of the senators and congressmen, and uh, the people that was in with our group, uh, the Alzheimer's Association, they did uh, the statistic thing and all that stuff, and, and that was all good. They need to hear that, but I uh, I took them on on a personal level. I, I'm pushing for caregiver funding, as you well know, and I think it's just something that needs to be done. You know, if you place a person, a patient in a nursing home just around here where I live, uh, minimum $6,000 a month. Man, I don't know too many people that can afford that. When I'm trying to get done or trying to see an act made on it where uh, caregivers can get some sort of funding or assistance from our government to where they can indeed uh, quit their job or take a long leave absence or whatever is needed and then get some sort of funding um, so they can, uh, you know, still pay their bills and stuff and have their loved one at home for as long as they can. It would be a win-win situation, but we're talking about several dollars here. You know, it's going to be more than $800 a month, but uh, I think it would be done. I've been pounding that drum for a couple years. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I I got an email from Linda Everman, and I wanted to make this announcement on the show, and it just fits in perfect here. But, you know, the the plan for the national, you know, Alzheimer's plan, there is a number that people can call, and it's the Congressional Switchboard, and the number is 1-202-224-3121. Again, that's one two zero two 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 four three one two one and you can ask for the operator to connect you with your representative or one of your um 
senators, and they, they'll go ahead and do that. Or if you prefer to contact them electronically, you can do that. Um, just go to the website, which is www.contactingthecongress.org. Again, that's www.contactingthecongress.org. Let them know your thoughts um, and ask to speak to one of the health legislative assistants. And um, you know, go ahead and t- reach out to your constituents. Uh, you know, and and talk with your your representatives and your senators. Um, they need to they need to hear from all of us. Um, and so go ahead and, and pass that along on Facebook or via an email because the more people uh, that reach out, uh, the better chance we are is for them to hear the people's voice because they, they can't hear it if we don't talk. So thank you for Lord, bringing Lord, that. I interject up. something here real, real quick while I'm mm-hmm. thinking of it. I remember when I was there and uh, some of the senators and congressmen we spoke to you could just tell it was like, you know, uh, talking to a wall because that's just how some of them are. But, you know, it's very important for people to realize that one of the statistics that I hang on to, in the year of 2050, Alzheimer's is going to cost just the United States $250 trillion a year if they don't get a handle on this. Now, our national budget now, I think, is $16 trillion, and, you know, we don't know what we're going to do about that. But can you imagine $250 trillion in 2050? And that's that's a staggering amount of money. And I throw that out there all the time because um, I don't expect this to be taken care of overnight, but uh, they're going to have to – the funding, you know, it's just, it's just horrendous. When you look at what cancer and – and the Heart Association gets, and, 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 and the Alzheimer's Association is somewhat down the line, yet we have more people dying from Alzheimer's than we do from cancer and heart. So uh, you know what I'm trying to say. It's just that uh, you're exactly right when you say we need people calling in and, and writing your congressman, and, because that's all you can do. The more they hear from, you know, the better it is. Exactly. Yeah, Rick, that's that's what we really emphasize. That that's my favorite talking point too, because the the problem with our legislators right now is that none of them want to be a co-signer on something or to stand up and speak in support of a bill that increases any kind of spending because the exactly. budget problems because they're worried about re-election. But well, that's exactly. Uh, you know, Tyler, any, I was going to say that. Do you pay five dollars now so that you don't have to spend five hundred later? Absolutely. Like it, it, it makes complete sense, but they're all too worried about re-election, and, well, and that's what causes I, the problem. Tyler, you hit the nail on the head. I was going to say that, but I didn't really want to. But it's all about um, a re-election. It really is. I, I've been there and seen that, and and it's a sad, sad thing. But uh, they were they were professional, and and some of them did give us some some time and things like that. But. You know, when you go there as an Alzheimer's um, um, patient or advocate, you're 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 just one more person that day. There'll be there'll be more coming tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Uh, you know, lobbyists asking for money and they see it all the time. But I I, I really truly feel they don't see the. <laughs> this is just going to be a terrible disaster if if they don't get a handle on it. Yeah, I I agree, and and it is amazing to go out there. I went out there a few years ago, and you know I had never been involved in something like that. And 
you know, the work that is put in to orchestrate something on that order is amazing. And like you said, Rick and Tyler, they have lobbyists coming out multiple times every day. Um, you know, people just swooshing in, making their their one-time statement. And Alzheimer's can't be a one-time-a-year statement. They have to hear our voices all year long. Um, we've got to become a thorn in their side if this is really going to, you know, get to the top of the pile. Because you guys are right, they they do worry about their jobs in reelections because you know we have career politicians. Um, that are in there, you know, and they've got great benefits, unlike most of us. <laughs> and I exactly. hold on to that job too, I suppose. But um, you know, we have to, and, and, you know. Lori, I remember a few a few weeks or months ago, we had a gentleman on your program from the UK, and and of course they're not they're not they don't have a cure or anything over there, of course, but they make progress with leaps and bounds compared to the United States, and I. I I just can't understand how that works over there and why why they can do it and we can't do it here. It's probably a money thing, I suppose, but but we certainly need to they need to take this serious and uh we need to get a handle on it. Yeah, that was Mark Wartman, the executive director of Alzheimer's Disease uh, yeah. International. And actually I just talked with him yesterday. Um and we you know, that came up again and I said I, I just love how fast they move through things and one of his comments is you know, that he said, Well you have to Keep in mind, Europe is much smaller than the U.S. He says, but we, you know, our whole system here is very different. You know, we have a social system for our health care, you know, and you guys don't. You know, you over in the U.S. still really believe in independence and being independent, and that's not how we work over here. We work together, and it's that collaboration that allows them to push through so quickly um, because they really focus on the greater good of all. And, you know, there isn't these highs and lows and these differentiations between between things so much. I mean, they, they just, um, it's very interesting. It's, it's very interesting, the difference. And I don't think that they, um, you know, from my eyes, which is a very limited thing, but I, I don't think they're as proprietary as we are here in the U.S in terms of this is my idea and I won't share it. I own it. And right. you know, like with the memory cafe when they when they sent me the they not only sent me the guidelines but they tweaked them for the US and then said take it, run with it and I said, What about the name? Is it trademark? No, just go. It people need these. Just pass it on, you know, and so that's what I've been doing. And it's like, wow. I mean that just I mean I just fell off the chair with that but if we and we can make that shift here in America, if we join hands, if we if we do things like Tyler's doing and and things like you're doing, Rick, and and what I'm doing, everybody has a voice. We can we can make that shift and um, on a grassroots level um, where government is going to have to listen um, to us, and so that's why it's so important to hear hear everybody's stories and what it is they're doing. And, um, you know, I thank uh, Linda Everman for sending me, you know, this, this message again about how to get a hold of the congressional switchboard. I'm just going to mention that number one more time here, which is one two zero two 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 four three one two one. 224 
Um, I do want to pull the conversation back to Tyler. Sorry, we got, kind of got off there, um, Tyler, but I think it I think it was an important note. Oh, that's and, all great. And you were everybody needs yeah, no, I know that you've done some some advocating with your legislator, uh, legislators in um, uh, Kentucky as well. It looks like, and um, did you do some speaking um, locally as well? Yeah, absolutely. We have a, a similar to the Alzheimer's Advocacy Forum in in DC, the, the Kentucky Alzheimer's Chapter, and I would assume almost every Alzheimer's Chapter would do this is a rally at the Rotunda at our Capitol in Frankfurt. Kentucky, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I've been able to go up there the past two years as well, and and talk about my experience, uh, and you know, in, in the rotunda with with the Alzheimer's community there, with uh, our state senators and legislators there, and it's been awesome uh, to see. You know, I, I look at myself, and I think I'm very incapable of a lot of things, but it's been cool to see how how God's blessed me with. with the opportunities and, and ability to do some of these things, uh, like public speaking engagements. It's not something that I was uh, I was raised with the talent of or anything. I just I've been given the opportunities, and because of my grandfather's life and that inspiration, I, I think it's carried through in those. And, and it's been cool to um, talk to other people afterwards. You know, on on our bike ride two years ago, we would be going through. The, the most random place you've ever heard of in in Arizona or Colorado, and we would just start talking to people and tell them what we were doing, and over half the people we ran into had a personal story about Alzheimer's, and all they wanted to do was talk about their loved one and what the experience was like, but so many people out there are lost and don't have the, the support groups like like Rick is starting, and that's something that, that it's so encouraging to see that and know that people are taking initiatives and trying to make a difference. And before long, our, our government is going to see that, the media is going to see that, and it's going to become this phenomenon to where, like, Alzheimer's is a national priority and we really get something done. I, I agree. It's um, The other thing I want to... Um talk about is you had mentioned that you know you didn't see yourself as being real capable of kind of doing this kind of stuff and it just kind of happened and I think one of the things that people really have to get over is perfection Um, that is one of the things this disease has taught me that a one perfection doesn't exist and if it does it's one time only because everything in the world changes and so you can't reduplicate anything exactly and um, you know perfection is is kind of this false thing and we set ourselves up for failure and what what I find people really want to hear and you have heard me make a zillion mistakes I've been garbled this morning haven't been able to get my words out and I'm not sweating it because you know what it's just an authentic voice and I'm having a bad day and that's just the way it is and um, you know I'm a real person life isn't perfect and for the most part, what I hear from from my readers, from the blog, from the radio show, when I go out and speak, is people say over and over, you know, I so appreciate your real, authentic voice. You know, it's it's just people are talking from the heart, and that's what people want to hear. They don't want to hear something scripted. They want to know what are you feeling and why. And what can yeah. we do to help? And and I think, you know, 
taking that that step in doing something different that might be a little bit scary, but if you have this inner voice telling you to do it, follow it. Follow it. There's nothing wrong with that. And you can't fail because you tried. You know, that's how I look at Amen. things. Yeah, I can I can tell you a thousand ways we failed on the bike ride by not having a lodging set up one night coming through or whatever it may have been. I mean, what, there there was one of the guys on the ride. He's one of my best friends, but you know, we 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 clashed heads a little bit throughout the summer and and had a tough time and and our friendship struggled for a few months afterward, but what it came down to is that, is that we did this trip and we raised money for Alzheimer's and it was something bigger than ourselves and when we got over the selfish part of it we were able to realize the the true impact of that and and like you're saying it's not about something being perfect but about pouring your heart into it and your soul into it and then other people see that and, and that's what inspires them to do the same thing whether whether it's a an event at your high school or an event at, at a a local nursing home that has Alzheimer's care facility, and there's five people there or five thousand. You're still reaching out to people, and that's that's the biggest thing. Yeah, you're making a difference, and and you know you could be in a group of you know 500 people, and all you have to do is touch one person in that audience mm-hmm. to make a difference. And you know it's amazing sometimes when you speak. Um, or when you write, or you know, through your bike rides, and Rick, through through all of the different venues that you have, the comments that you get from people. You know, I, I got the other day just this beautiful letter. Um, it was quite lengthy from a, a woman, and I I still have to write her back. I didn't have time yesterday. Who just saw one of the videos that I I have on my YouTube channel, and then she said she watched several of them, and um, what an impact it had. And, and you know, and it was like. That's why I do what I do, you know, and and I think that's what all of us should be doing. We should be doing something to that makes us feel good and that has a positive impact on others. And it's it's hard sometimes getting around the ego, like you said, and looking at the greater good. Um, but once you are able to do that, um, it, it changes your whole life perspective and how you view things and see things. So. Um, it's a very, it's a very neat what you're, what you're doing. Now, can you tell us this year? It's called Bike for Alls, and how did, how did this kind of come together now? Sure. Well, we, 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 we helped start a fraternity here at WKU a few years ago. It's not something that's been around long. I mean, I was the second or third guy to, to join out of everyone, and so there's not a long history or tradition of. of my fraternity here at WKU, but uh, we, uh, all the guys that went on the bike ride a couple of years ago were, were founding fathers, and, and you know we, we helped build this from the ground up, and we, we got a house about two years ago, right right when we were leaving for the bike ride, and so when we got back, we had a couple of shadow boxes made and our jerseys hung up and stuff like that, just because it was an awesome experience, and we wanted to commemorate that, and as we brought younger guys into the group, they've they've kind of seen the pictures on the wall of us with the president of our university. And we've got a picture with every sign saying, welcome to the state. And then one of us in the Pacific ocean, one of us in the Atlantic ocean. And so I think for these younger guys coming in, they just 
saw what we did and really looked up to that. And uh, about a year ago, I had one of them ask me if I thought it could happen again and what my vision for that was. And I told them, I said, well, I said, my my cause is Alzheimer's, and that's something I'm passionate about because my grandfather. And I said, if you all want to do that again, I'm going to support you and do everything I can to help you. But I also just want you to know that I, I don't care what you do, and I don't care if you do it for Alzheimer's, but I, I just want you to do something you're passionate about. And they had a group of about uh, ten guys, and five or six of them, their families are affected by Alzheimer's, and uh, the other ones are just incredible young men that, that want to make a difference. But they, they approached me, and um, we've been working on it and having meetings two or three times a week uh, since November, and they'll be heading out in... 10 days, I believe, to to come up to Minnesota to ride. And they're going from International Falls, Minnesota, right on the Canadian border, down to Key West, Florida. Um, they're hitting 14 major media markets this summer. It's, uh, Minneapolis, Milwaukee, Chicago, Indianapolis, St. Louis, Louisville, Nashville, Atlanta, Miami. It's, it's going to be huge. And, and I'm so proud of them and what they're doing. And, I, and it's it's been awesome to see what the, the the labor that they put in, I can't wait to see the fruit of that. Very cool. That's very very neat. Uh, well, yeah. I'm I'm definitely hoping to hook up with them when they come. Um, to yeah, miss, I'm to telling you, we're going to get you a bike. They'll, they'll have an extra bike, so you'll have no excuse. <laughs> get my big butt on a bike yet? <laughs> oh, I've been talking. I need to need to do some exercise, and I, I've got a bike store really close to my house, and I drive by it all the time. I'm like, I really should stop, <laughs> and I just and I haven't yet. But you know, maybe maybe this will. In, this Minneapolis is thing. supposed to be the number one cycling community in the U.S., isn't it? Oh, we have gorgeous paths all over the place. Yeah, yeah. that's what I've it's, heard. So yeah, yeah, you need to take advantage of of your geography. I know we have um, we have some absolutely incredible, incredible biking and walking paths all over. It's very, very nice. Well, how can people help the cause that are listening? Sure. Yeah. Well, if if you're out there listening, I hope you are. Um, like I said, these guys are going to be cycling. They're going over 3,000 miles uh, through Minnesota and, and down to Florida. Uh, you can check out their route and meet the riders and their blog and their YouTube channel. Uh, the easiest way is to go straight to their website, which is bike, the number four alls, A-L-Z dot org. And you you can donate on there. Um, you, can, you can see their goal and how how they're doing there you can see their route day by day and the different cities they'll be coming through and if you're located along the route uh just shoot them an email it's bikeforalls at gmail.com and they would love to have you ride they'd love to have you help host an event in your hometown they'd love to have you help them connect to some media people or find a place to stay or a meal or any anything along those lines uh they they've all fundraised personally uh to get them across country and they have enough money but Every time that we can get something provided, that's more money that we're able to donate to Alzheimer's that we've saved. And so uh, if you're interested in that, you, you can. my email is online. You can reach me there. Um, and then their Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube is all Bike for Alls, and you can find that. And they've got some really awesome stuff as far as social media out there. They've got an exciting video <laughs> 
coming out next week. They uh, they filmed a music video. One of our fraternity brothers is a really good videographer and does weddings and, and all that. And they filmed a video to Queens, I Want to Ride My Bike, <laughs> the bicycle, that song. <laughs> And uh, that's going to be coming out next week. So, so that should be fun and uh, a good thing to share on Facebook and uh, to get people interested in what they're doing and, and to get the word out and lead people back uh, to the oh, main reason for the sure ride. They get that, um, if they get the video to me, because I'll push it out okay. too. So, yeah, yeah, that would be that would be great. And maybe, Rick, you could help push the video out as well if we get it. And Oh, Absolutely. Okay. Wonderful. <clears throat> oh, well, I just think it's great. So, um, Tyler, if um, again, people, the best way to um, support the the um, the fundraising here would be to go to the website, the www bike, yes. and then the number four, and then alz dot org. Yes, ma'am. Um, wonderful. Well, it has been such a pleasure having you on the show. Is there anything else? Thank that you, you so talk? much. I'm- I'm glad it worked out, and, and it's an honor to be here. And what a coincidence! You're from Minneapolis, and that's the first big city we're coming through. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Very exciting. I, I may I may join these guys the first week of the ride if I can get a week away from wedding planning. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so if I do, it, it'd be awesome to meet you in person. And, and I appreciate everything you're doing, everything Rick's doing, and everything that Alan Arnett is doing, and. and it's great to see other people out there fighting to make a difference, and and I know that through the support of others that are doing that, and and you know anybody they can they can take something that they're passionate about and and make an impact. And whether it's raising money or raising awareness, it's all doing good for for the disease and and helping to end this, so that our grandchildren, my grandchildren, don't have to to see me the way I saw my papa and and things along that line. Yeah, it's important that we all that we all work together. Well, I know you have another appointment, so we'll go ahead and let you run. But thank you so much for sharing your story and all that you and all the guys are doing. Is it all men, or is it is there men and women riding? I shouldn't make that assumption. Oh yeah, it's just all guys. All guys, okay. But but, but I'm gonna get my soon to be wife out there with them through part of Kentucky, and they've got a lot. They have a lot of friends that'll be joining them. So so there'll be. I mean, I'm. I, I know. I mean, my fiance, she could whoop me on a bike right now. I think, even though I rode across country two years ago. Uh huh. Well, that's wonderful. Well, I think it's a. I think it's a great, great route. Have you guys ever um, thought of approaching um, maybe a bike company at all to uh, help a bike promote company? it? Yeah. You know. We you know we we we've emailed some in the past and. You know, th- this is an awesome event, and it it literally reaches hundreds of thousands, if not a few million people, or it, or it did two years ago when we did it. But I guess I guess to the bicycle companies, it's still not quite large enough scale for them. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, when I went to when I went to my bike shop, uh, my the bike shop in my hometown, the owner there, he's been extremely supportive all the way through. Uh, and, and that's been awesome. But, yeah, as far as getting a bicycle company on, I mean, if this ride happens again in the future, we mm-hmm. might be in a position then to, to get them to partner with us. But, yeah, you know, I, I think it's the biggest thing in the world, but they may not. Yep, yep. Well, you know, 
it, everything happens when it's supposed to. I'm a firm believer in that. So, again, I, I thank you so much for all you're doing. Rick, is there anything else you'd like to say to Tyler before he has to leave us? Sure, Tyler. Uh, I just got to echo Lori's sentiments. I, I, as a patient, you, you can imagine how thankful I am of uh, what you're doing and what you have done. Uh, my thoughts and prayers go out to each and every one of these writers. And uh, it, it's just... Uh, well, it's overwhelming when you get people like you and Alan Arnett and, and the host of people that Lori's had on her shows that's bringing awareness to this uh, horrible disease. And uh, I'd like to congratulate you on our up-and-coming wedding, and also I hope to see you on Memory People here real soon when you get a few minutes. <laughs> All right. I, I will definitely look that up on Facebook, and I look forward to, to joining that and talking to some people online about it. Okay, great. Well, have a wonderful Thank you weekend. Thank Thanks for all you're doing. Really appreciate it, Tyler. Bye now. All right. Thank you all. Have a good day. See ya. So, Rick, is there is there anything that you wanted to talk about at all? We, you know, we're pretty informal on the show here, and I wanted and to <clears throat> I wanted to bring something up that's I don't know <clears throat> with this disease sometimes it people say the strangest things, but here the last few days I've been asked a couple times. Uh, what is your normal day like? And uh, I, I tell people all the time, I don't, I don't have a normal day anymore. I call it what, what I call it is my new normal because when you have this disease, you know, uh, years ago I was in law enforcement and EMS for about 24 years, and I make um, life-saving decisions in a matter of seconds, and now it, it's a, it's a struggle to pick my socks out. So. Um, there just is no normal day when it comes to this disease. That's, and when I hear that, it it just uh, it it just hurts me because it's is it shows me how far we have to go to bring awareness. Because anyone that is a caregiver or a patient knows with this disease that uh, I'm fine right now. It's uh, right here in Ohio. It's about 10 to 12, but I have no idea what's going to be like at two o'clock or five o'clock or you know it's a lot of people say you have good days and bad days sometimes it's just good hours and bad hours so but it just was strange last couple of days people have asked me what's a normal day like and and uh, you really don't don't have any normal days mm-hmm. I, I can I can attest to that I, I think my mom would have would have agreed when she you know was in her earlier stages um, to that. You just you just learn to go with the flow and um, you know deal with what's there, and that's all you can really do. You know that's all yeah. any of us can really do. You know there now are there things though that that help um, create more of a normal for you, like with routines and things. Though I would imagine. Oh, that's absolutely right. Uh, as Gary LeBlanc, you know, will attest, you, you just have to, I mean, I have a routine, and I tell people all the time, every patient has a routine. Even if the caregiver doesn't know it, they do have one, and, and you need to find that routine and stick to it because it's not going to make things go away, but it's certainly going to make things better. Every exactly. night we, yeah, every night we eat at 20 after 5, <laughs> Now, if we don't eat till six o'clock, there's a problem, and, and you know, in life things happen. Uh, a lot of times we don't eat at twenty after five, but that's my routine. You know, I have dinner. 
because I don't work anymore and I have dinner ready when Phyllis June gets home and we sit down and eat and talk about her day and things like that and she has to work over or if anything comes up and we don't eat till 6 or 6.30, it, it, it strangely throws my whole evening in a tizzy. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. something that small, but it's the disease. It's not me, you know, it's the disease and, and that's just how it, how it works with me. Uh, not everybody's the same, but I can tell you, uh, keeping people, keeping your patient on a routine and letting them do things that they want to do no matter what time of day it is is, is, is very important. Well, and I think, you know, we kind of all take for granted. We all have that inner clock. I mean, a lot of people wake up the same time every day, and, you know, it, things just naturally happen. And it's not something that we even really talk about. It just it just occurs. And those are the those are really important things to be aware of, um, because they're so ingrained in us that we don't even know that they're occurring. You know. And so again, I I highly agree with routine and trying to keep things in sync and um, you know not so congested and and overwhelming too. In terms of even numbers of people, even for family gatherings, um, you know, as the disease progresses, those gatherings a lot of times just need to be a little bit smaller um, because they can get to be overwhelming for people. And I know we've had discussions on that um, as well in terms of just being able to sort out conversations, you know, when multiple people are talking. And so there's there's lots of things that, that we can do <clears throat> to make life easier and better for all of us. Um, you know, in, in terms of living with this disease. so Exactly. Well, I, I, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead, Rick. I uh, I would think I'd be amiss if I didn't mention my book, uh, something that me and Gary's been working on for a long time now, close to, I think, maybe five or six months anyway. But uh, it is complete. It's at the publishers, and it is for sale now. Um, people can order it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and uh, they have it in the softback, hardback, and also an audio an audio version, which is not released yet because it hasn't finished, but it is going to be on audio. I pushed that. I wanted it to be on audio because, in my instance, I can't I can no longer read uh, anything any great length. So I I wanted to push. And not only is it going to be available on a download audio, but we're going to have it on a CD too for some of these people that are computer challenged. You can just buy the CD and put it in a you know a CD player and listen to the book that way. And also on our site, while I still can, uh, we've set up a, a section there where you can purchase the book through us on whileistillcan.net. And anyone that goes there and purchases the book, it's the same price, but the idea is uh, the books are going to will come to me and uh, I'll sign each and every book that people purchase off of there and uh, ship them on to the... Uh, to the person from from our house here, I can't do that with Barnes and Noble or Amazon, but I can certainly do it on our site. So, uh, if you're interested in getting a signed copy, if you if uh, people want to just order from WhileIStillCan.net, uh, we'll get the book here. I'll sign it and we'll ship it off to the uh, purchaser. Wonderful. Well, that's that's very exciting. That's very neat. So you you have done so much, Rick, with with everything you're doing. You know, from memory people to the book and the song, and your you might as well talk about your support group, your video support groups that you're doing too. You might as well put a little plug in for those. <laughs> well, we're we're real excited about that. We've even worked on that with you for a little bit, you know. 
And, and what it is, it's, it's a Skype, uh, we call it Skype support groups, and uh, it's for people that have uh, support group meetings, and if you um, have available uh, a, com- a laptop computer and uh, wireless Internet, then uh, if you get download the Skype program, then I can be involved with you at the meeting. Um, I don't I don't run the meetings. <laughs> I don't tell people what to talk about. Basically, I'm just there as a visitor, and I am a patient, and, and I allow anyone that's there to uh, ask me questions, and I'm very open, which I've always been, and I answer questions uh, to the best of my ability. It, it's just turned out wonderful. Um, it doesn't cost a dime. Uh, we've done a half a dozen of them. They've all been very successful, and, and people come away from that so more, much more educated about the disease and it's not because of me it's just because i'm living this disease i tell people all the time i'm not an expert but i am a patient and I, you just can't get better information than from a patient it's, and we're just very excited about how it's turned out we've done them uh, overseas and uh, all over the united states and uh, it's i sit there at my kitchen table and and we have a they usually last about an hour maybe an hour and a half and uh, a little longer if they want, just depends on how many people's there. But it's just turned out wonderful, and I think it's going to explode. Um, and, and anybody can do these, you know. Me and Harry Urban is doing them. You know, he's a good friend of mine on on memory people, because it's it's not about Rick Phelps. We need to get any patients or caregivers involved because, you know, everybody is different, and and Harry experiences some things that I don't, and vice versa. So it's very good when me and him uh, get together and be able to Skype with people because they get a perspective on two different people and possibly at two different stages. Well, and I think that's really important because, as we always say, you know, this disease is different with every single person. There there are no two cases that are the same. And what works one minute might not work the next and might work again in five more minutes. I mean, you just you don't know. And so it's really a matter of, trying to understand um, how this disease impacts um, a person, you know, who has it instead of us guessing. I mean, there's no reason for us to guess. You know, we can ask, and if we talk to people in early stages, you know, they can give us a good, good understanding. I had um, somebody make a comment to me, well, yeah, but that's somebody in early stages. That's not going to help us in end stages. And I'm like, oh, yes, it is. You know, it's amazing the information. And, and again, for somebody in their late stages, yeah, we are going to have to guess because they can't communicate um, with us at that point. But the more knowledge we have as the disease progresses, the better our guesses will become. Anyways, that's my theory. Well, I, I think about that all the time, Lori. You got, if you're a brand new caregiver and you got someone that was just diagnosed with this disease, I don't care if they're 45 years old or, or 75. Um, everything changes, and uh, um, you know you're thrown into a caregiver role that's going to last forever, and and you need help. And then that's like Gary LeBlanc says. One of the most important things a caregiver needs to do is know when to ask for help because. It's very uh, crucial. You just can't do this by yourself. There's so many things that you can learn from a patient, and I also learn from a caregiver. You know, it's a it's a win-win situation. But I, I I think a lot of times when a lot of these patients are placed in a facility in the later stages, 
um, the people that work there, you know, the uh, nurses and aides and things like that, that's that's what they see. They don't, they don't see the patient as they was four, five, six, seven years ago. And uh, they, they see them in the later stage where they can't communicate, you know, and, and they can't just basically do hardly anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, Alzheimer's is much more than that. You know, that's the end stage. You know, that's sort of like the, the last chapter. But there's many chapters that lead up to that. And I think the more we educate our, our health care workers to make sure they understand that, the better off we're, everybody will be. Yeah, definitely, definitely agree. And, you know, and I, I'm really trying hard um, to change my verbiage. You know, here in the U.S., we, we always say care caregiving, but it really is care partnering because you when you give, you get back. And sure. this isn't a one-sided road. And, you know, for me in my journey with, with my mom of 30 years, she has given me more than I could ever give back to her in terms of lessons learned and um, just a rich, filled life, even though now she's in her very end stages. And, um, you know, but and she has been for four years, but we still have those moments that I didn't even know existed. Um, it's forced me to slow down and, and look for different things, and, and that's that's huge. You know, it, it's taught me how to connect on a different level. So, I you know I really encourage people to to start trying to shift that verbiage from caregiving to care partnering, because um, I think caregiving sometimes has a negative connotation that it's a one way street, and you know it, it's not. It just isn't. Um, on that, so well, I I thank you for joining. Before, us. before, mm-hmm. before we close, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you, and forgive me, but you know, with my memory deficit, you have a saying that um, they have to be. You want to make sure there's three things. Yep, yep. And, and I, it's it's called if you your memory. Them, yep. I think it's so important. Yeah. Yeah, it's are they safe? Are they happy? And are they pain free? In fact, I just. Um, made up new um, bracelets, you know, that people can wear um, that is, you know, so they're actually a tool. It doesn't say anything about Alzheimer's on it. It just says, are they safe, are they happy, are they pain-free? Uh, That's a good People idea. will ask what it's about, but it's just a nice trigger because when you focus on those three things, it really truly becomes about the person you're caring for and not yourself, not how you're feeling, not that... They didn't remember your name, and you're feeling bad, and your ego's getting in the way. Um, it kind of helps for me. It, it personally, it helped me pick my battles in terms of okay, so that wasn't right, but in the big scheme of things, does it matter? Right. No, they're safe, they're happy, and they're pain-free. Let it go, and it really became much easier for me to let things roll off like a duck, you know, like they say, and and just let it go because it's. It's yeah. not important in the big in the big scheme of things at all. And, and, and see, that's exactly what me and Foles Jones had to do for the last two years. We mm-hmm. didn't know that. that we were we were doing exactly what you say. You know, if I'm safe, if I'm pain free, if I'm happy, you know, really, what else matters? I mean, sure, I do some things. Uh, I've done some things that I should have done. I forgot a lot of things, but is it going to change the scheme of things? You know, well, no, it's not. It's, we just mm-hmm. go on. Yep. Yeah, and it's it's just a nice little reminder when the 
the new website is getting really close to launch, the Alzheimer's Speaks, and I should actually talk about that a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, I would like... to, you'll be able to download your memory chip. You'll also be able to get a free download of your memory journal, which it helps people share stories and be able to engage. Uh, there's going to be all kinds of free tools, but that that site is going to be like nothing that's out there right now because it will have um, just a massive, it's going to be a massive, massive resource directory that will allow people to find things all around the world. And so it will have um, in the resource directory itself, it will have various categories. One will be for like speakers, trainers, coaches, and consultants. Um, and then there will be an events category where people can submit if they've got an event going on. There will be um, fantastic flicks and audios, which will have um, basically movies and um, DVDs and um, audio films and things in it. And then it will have what I call the Great Read section. And in that section, we'll have articles and blogs and books and newsletters and people's personal writings and various publications and then the largest category, which has really, really taken us, um, we've been working on this, <laughs> this site a year, is massive, and it's called the Caring um, Support Services. And there'll be information from organizations and associations um, and to charities, to um, housing, to adult day um, information on abuse and neglect, on accessibility and transportation, um, There'll be a business-to-business -business section. There'll be information on arts and programs and um, communication systems and clothing and care consultants and end-of-life and financial planning. I mean, the list really goes on and on. There'll be information on different types of insurance and mediation and conflict and moving and nutrition um, There'll be information on um, medical resources and you know where are the trials at. There'll be um, a section that will actually um, that we have for um, tracking where the like memory cafe and the Alzheimer's cafes are, and that will be primarily for groups that have both the um, the patient and their care partner attending, because um, I'm not going to be able to list, you know, every support group that each right. Alzheimer's Association has, but um, the ones that are just a little bit different, and of course, you know, groups like yours um, right. will be listed, and so it's, I'm really excited to get this thing launched. It's been a, it's been a, a labor of love and blood, <laughs> you know, in it's, terms of it certainly has making. Been. Uh, make but, sure that you uh, post a link on memory people when it's up and running for sure. Yeah, we're getting we're getting really really close. I mean, we thought we'd have this done in, you know, 4 to 6 months and here it's a little over a year we've been working on it, but it's going to be something else. Um and it will be yeah. you know, I wanted I wanted a site that would be an international site because there are so many cool things going on all over around the world and with the internet there's no reason that we shouldn't be able to to share, you know, what's working and what's happening, you know, around the world. And um and I also wanted the site to help even out the big and the small, um, so that 
you know, right. small companies or one-man shows that are, that have great services or products or tools, um, people can find them just as easy as the really large, you know, big companies out there. Because I know when I was, you know, really in the the crux of it all, you know, when my mom started with this, there just wasn't much out there. And and I think we need to have a holistic approach. So there'll be things even like massage therapists and you know, um, exercising and activities and entertainment because that's all part of our life. Sure and, it is. You know, we need to we need to just get rid of this stigma and break the bars down and just say, hey, you know, so so I've got a diagnosis of something. What what's you know what do you have? I I mean, everybody's got something, you know, um, for the most part out there. And we have to we have to break down the walls. And people should not have to feel like they need to hide or be embarrassed with this disease at all. You're exactly um, right. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you again, Rick, for joining the show. Um, it's it's, it's always honor. a pleasure to to have you on uh, on with me. I am going to be having a show on the twenty first, and Ann Buckley will be with us, and she is going to be talking about, you know, what is adult day services, and and how can they help people. And then on June 4th, uh, Marlene Schoenberg is going to be on, and she's going to be talking about swallowing safely and lifestyle choices. So um, sometimes people forget how to swallow, and she just has some incredible advice there. And then on June 6th, um, I'm going to have Mary McGrath on and um, Angela Taylor with the Louis Body Association. And we've titled that one, Love, Louis Body, and Laughter. And then on June 7th, it's going to be kind of a packed week, I'm going to have a teenager on, Bailey, um, who is a teenager from Minnesota, is going to talk about life with a parent with dementia. Her dad was diagnosed when she was um, 13 years old. And then later in um, mid-June on the 14th, Lisa Snyder from California will be with us, and she's going to be talking about living your best with early-stage Alzheimer's disease. So we've got lots of... Lots and lots of programming on. I'm, I'm not going to do much next week just because I'm I'm doing some traveling and things, and it's just a little too tight schedule wise. But we'll push out some other shows. There's lots of things in the in the archives there for people to listen to. So I just want to thank everyone for listening. And um, you know, if you like the show, please help us push it out. Again, we're just a grassroots effort here. So like us, tweet us, all of those fun things. Um, and feel free to, to check out the archives or sign up so that you can find out when the next episodes are scheduled. So in the meantime, um, enjoy your weekend. It's beautiful here in Minnesota, um, and I'm hoping I can get the grass cut before it gets up to my knees here. <laughs> so thanks again, Rick, and thanks again to our audience for listening. We'll talk to you all soon. Bye now. Hey everybody, Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.